are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, wow! Nailed Whoa. Nailed Whoa. It. Whoa. <laughs> Nailed it. That was good. Nailed it. I did the hello. No good morning. No good morning, because everybody, like, we are recording the first nighttime episode. It's still going to air at 8 a.m., so when you hear this, it's probably morning, but um, we are recording at night, and we have wine in hand. Oh, yeah. Before I get into all this, hold on, let me finish my stuff, because <laughs> I'm have way too much fun this episode. I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is King Michael Dees, First of his name, the ultimate foodie, king of dad humor and mother's pub, cow of the lightning fans, master of fixing the printer, and father of scooters. Happy six-year company anniversary to my man, Michael Dees. I'm not worthy of any of that, maybe other than the anniversary part, but thank you. That was awesome, are you kidding me? Genesis worked so hard on that intro, and it was excellent. It it makes a lot more sense knowing that it came from Genesis than you, but. (laughs) Hey, I'm not going to spend all that time. I would just say your name is Michael Dietz. Right. But what's up, man? That's a great intro. I'm good. How are you, man? It is July 29th. It is July 29th. You are getting ready to go into August craziness. It's right here, right around the corner. It's beginning to look a lot like Scooter Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) This is is what, like, the whole year is about is uh, August. Dude, what do you feel about drinking wine on the podcast? Dude. You're gonna hear a lot more slurping than you know. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try to back away from the mic whenever that happens. But. Dude, do you want me to introduce you to our guests? Yes, I'd love to meet our guests. Dude, welcome <laughs> to the shit show. All right, like, the shit, it's the shit. there is an in there. There is an in the shit show. All right, you guys, we have Team Shit, Clint and Sheena Asbell, owners of Hale Jewelry and Loans, celebrating ten years in business this year and thirteen years of marriage and they are here tonight with wine they brought wine smugglers wine <laughs> <laughs> and and we've already poured some and i'm i'm already feeling good i told you i don't know if the ac is just really set to 80 degrees in here or if i've already just you know wine <laughs> it's going to be okay but but you guys welcome to the show what's up what's up thanks, thanks for, for having, having us, us. They're excited. They're excited. <laughs> Super excited. Uh, you guys, so we've been doing our husband-wife episodes, okay? Several of them. We're releasing one every Monday in July. You guys are the last one. All right. I think. Bringing it home. Right? July 29th is, this is the last one. Going out with a bang. Bring, bringing it home. We're so honored to be last. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Hey, you know, and so you guys. So canceled? Somebody canceled. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. It's cool. It's all good. We get not it. Not true, but. Not true at all. I'm excited that you guys are here. Thanks, and it's You know, it's, it's funny because, um, I mean, she and I haven't really engaged with you a lot on social media, but right. with Clint being like at the master that he is yeah, at social like media. Yeah, he's Insta wizard. At Diddy style uh-huh. and everything. And I mean, how many, I mean, we've engaged a lot on Instagram, <laughs> social media. You're basically a fiend at that. And uh, and so now I'm like, dude, like come be on the show. Bring yeah, your man. wife, let's do this. Let's do this already. I feel like it's a long time coming, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Glad, glad, you, glad to be here. Super <laughs> excited, man. Cool. Well. I'm ready to dive into some stuff, man. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to hear the story. Yeah, I want to hear the story too. 
So this is what we want to do. So we just want to like throw it back a little bit, kind of get into the story, talk about, you know, how Hale Jewelry and Loans started, what would, you know, where'd the idea come from, or, or I mean, even your entrepreneurial background, whatever. Take us way back. All right. Way back. Yeah, and start with like, I mean, even like, I, I, I actually like, yeah, I, even, okay. I like the personal history, like, <laughs> where did you guys meet? Like, Well, you know, we're ACR, so we met at Buholt High School, baby. Yeah. <laughs> That's ACR. Right there. Yeah, yep. I was a sophomore and he was a senior, so. All right. You know, that's where we met. That's where the true love story began, I guess you would say. <laughs> did you start dating in high school? Or? We did, okay. yeah. So we dated um, for three and a half years in high school. Uh, for me, he's a few years older than I am. And then we kind of went our separate ways during college and then reconnected. And the rest has been history. Where'd you go to college at? So I stayed in town and went to UF. Okay. He went over to Flagler. And okay. Santa, Santa Fe and then Flagler for yeah. two years. Yeah. yeah, so he golfed over there and got to do the beach thing, and I stayed here and went to, to UF. So I okay. love Gainesville. Like, you can't get me away from here, I love it. Now, right. were you guys like dating then I got in college too? Or? No, no you guys took actually took a break. We took a break, break. yeah. We they break. were on a break. We were on a break. <laughs> I love that episode of It was a four-year break, a four and year it was break. needed. But that may have been years. key for our success. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, So maybe. So you guys got. So you guys. So what? You came back to Gainesville. I got. I, I got sucked back into Gainesville, like so many do. Okay. Yes. And, just rekindled uh, the fire. Yeah. What? How did that go down? Oh, that's Dude, another. That's, a, that's another episode. That could be a whole another yeah. episode. <laughs> that's, that's the liquor episode. But we're on this episode. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a whole separate episode. <laughs> yeah, it was like a re- reached out out of curiosity, and we met up and and ended up back together like like that. Yeah. And we just um, picked up where we left off. Yeah. So. Uh, we, we realized that we probably should have been together the whole time. Everything just fell back into place. Like we had never left one another and- um, and Got engaged three months yeah. later. So, oh, wow. I mean, it was, we just really picked back up and kind of got back into the groove of everything. We think we needed to both kind of go our separate ways and do the college thing and kind of let things, you know, just see where, what happened with it. And that's basically what happened. So. And so when did you guys get married? 2006. 2006. Yeah, 2006. We got married over in St. Nice. Augustine at the Casa Monica Hotel. Okay, beautiful. Love it over there. Cool. So. St. Augustine's awesome, dude. It is fun. Like yes, it is. We like to go there a lot. So right. coming, coming up on an anniversary? Is that what? I heard? We just passed. Just Last passed. Yeah. Just passed. Oh, years. is that why I saw years. the pictures yeah. and like the? Would you guys? Yeah, the or we went and swam with the pigs. The yeah, was that cool? Uh, swimming with pigs? Yeah, it was Amazing. pretty cool. They're pretty, they're pretty <laughs> aggressive. I'm not gonna lie, they're pretty aggressive. Um, they're they're trained and conditioned now. If they see a boat, they know that you're bringing them food. So uh, and they're large. The pigs are very large. And there's so. lots of <laughs> pig poop on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> There's so like don't step in the pig poop. Yeah, so you know, not you the cleanest beach. Right, so that's the stuff you don't see on Instagram, right? Like this huge pig running after you. <laughs> you know what? Next time you go, I want to see the pig poop on the beach on okay. your Instagram. Okay. Come on, All right, man. Diddy this, style. It's, I got you. It's all about the realness. It's I got all, you. The authenticity. The authenticity stop right? putting the, right. the, <laughs> the stop putting It's the like the fire festival version of yeah. the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Do that version. All right, I wasn't keep, even thinking it, about keep it capturing real. the pig poop. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, dude, the pictures were awesome though. It looked like a great time. Dude, was, dude, every time, a, every time no... I message you, you, notice every time I message you, it's when you're on vacation. Yeah. Like, oh, every, everybody does doing? that. Really? Everybody like, dude, does where that. are you right it's now? It's like, like, hey guys, we're gonna leave, and um, so the store, you know, we're gonna have some coverage, but you know, we're gonna go on vacation, and it's like everyone starts blowing us up. Like yeah. the minute we're on the plane, I I'm like, Colin, bro, you never want to talk to me. Except now, half the time I'm like, hey, when you get back, let's connect. He's like, I'll be back Monday, and then like, no. No, I don't want to talk. I don't want to really talk to you to your next vacation until the next vacation. (laughs) 
that's funny. Yeah, but it was pretty epic. If you haven't been to Exumas, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's not a bad bad picture in the Exumas, even of pig poop. Yeah. I promise you. <laughs> true. Well, dude, the beach pictures are epic. I mean, it looks it looked great. You were on the private beach by yourself. So hold on. So there's a picture of you on like a little sandbar, right? So what'd you do? Did you have like Sheena like all the way? On the other side, we can't like, give away our I'm trying to secrets. understand. Yeah. How I, mean, I had people, my whole crew with me. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. I, I travel with the posse. Okay. Uh. I mean, I need to know these things. I know people I, are always like, "How did you get with that my picture?" Crew and, yeah. <laughs> I just need to know. You've got a great setup here. I mean, you could totally go on the road and have all the. You could totally take all these guys to the Exumas. All this? Could you imagine taking this on the road? I think that's the next All episode. Po- podcast on the road. Yes. Yeah, we'd have to like really restructure <laughs> if we decided to take this on the road. Which, but I like this. I like having this little studio style set up. And but I think you should just make another business out of it, and you should just be a podcast on the road show because you're not busy on, enough. Yes, I'm definitely not. And we'll busy go with enough. you. It'll be called the Shent Show. <laughs> the Shent nice. Show. Yeah. Hey, I'm not kidding. The you guys should itself. absolutely start that podcast. Oh. It will write itself. <laughs> I'm down. Yeah, we, we've kind of been. All right, so, so all right, so tell me a little bit about the you know when when you start a business because I mean that's what we like to so talk about. So the on great the show. thing and the bad thing about us both is we have no entrepreneurial background whatsoever at all. At all. I mean, what you guys sports, major in? Sports management, sports sciences, that's what I read. Sport yeah. management. Okay. Because I thought I was going to play golf forever, that didn't pan out. Did you know um, Ty? Like yeah. real? Cl- so uh, t- not, no, I actually met Ty uh, later. Okay, you met okay. Ty. Ty's later. younger. We're an older generation. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I'm excuse sure. me. Let me I'm just sorry. put that out there. I'm sure, he'll be flattered to hear that. Yes. <laughs> I think Ty was 10 when I graduated. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, how do you how, no, how, so how do you segue from uh, sports management, sports sciences into pawn and loans? Oh man. So, um, this was a total accident. Uh, family friend I was kind of just looking for an opportunity, fell into the glamorous position of working in a pawn shop. Everyone was so proud of me. Uh, four year degree, and then uh, I'm working in a pawn shop. Um, but I basically had this mentality of um, learning the business, and 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 I, I wanted to like I wanted to grow with it. So I wasn't just working as a job. But it turned out turned out really well. Um, and uh, like I say, me and Sheena have no no entrepreneurial background. So. We still don't know what we're doing today. So we've been faking it <laughs> along the way. It. Sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, probably good and bad, yeah. seriously. Like, no, we're, probably really hor- funny, we're, we're like horrible business people, but we <laughs> we spend all our time building relationships and doing great things in the community, and it's panned out for us. It's you know it's worked out well, and uh, we're still here 10 years later, so. That's awesome. That's so when did you, so what year did you start the business? 2009. 2009. So any dates you'll want to ask me? 2009. <laughs> let, me, let me write this down. <laughs> I'm like immediately yeah. looking yeah, over. Yeah, do you see? He's like, what, what, huh? Yeah, so he, we, Hale so you guys had been married for three years. Correct. When you yes. started the company. Yes. And correct. you guys were, I mean, like, let's just do this or what? So he was working um, in a traditional pawn shop at the time, and I was actually working for Nationwide Insurance. So my mom is from Columbus, Ohio, and she actually was relocated in Gainesville when Nationwide Insurance opened here. So I always mm-hmm. say I'm a Nationwide baby because I just grew up with my mom working there, and then I fell into that um, as I was going through school at UF. I needed a part-time call center job. So I used to have little headphones in and take like claims in the call center Just there. like this, yeah, wine. Kind of like, yeah, I wish I needed wine then. <laughs> so I had a corporate background and um, when he was working in the traditional pawn shop, he was like, I really wanna figure out how to reach more women and kind of change 
maybe people's views of the pawn shop because I deal with really awesome people, um, but then I deal with some not so awesome people, and then the people I'd like to reach won't come in because it's like this negative, you know, association. And him and I had never even been at a pawn shop before, so I didn't know that it was a bad thing, but I would tell friends and family members, like, yeah, Clint's working at the pawn shop, blah, blah, blah. No, she did say that. She's like, Clint's working at the jewelry store. (laughs) (laughs) And they would make a big deal about it, and I was like, wow, I guess it's this negative thing. And so the more we got into it, we were like, okay, well, it's a great industry. How can we gear it? towards women, because they shop a lot, right? And how we can we make it more of this, you know, positive experience instead of just this, like, you're in desperate times and you have to go in and get some kind of, you know, pawn or loan on your piece. So during our conversation, I said, let's try and cater to girls. So let's take out the guns and the musical instruments and the tools and all the things that deter myself and my friends from coming in to the shop that he was in at the time. Let's just do jewelry and handbags, okay? So now that's like, oh, it's not a big deal, right? Because handbags are everywhere. But in 2008, when we're having this conversation, there were no designer handbags locally that were pre-owned. And the only place you could really find pre-owned Louis Vuitton, Chanel's, Gucci's was eBay. So online platforms, or maybe somewhere out west in California. So he said to his um, boss at the time, like, hey, we want to do this. And but we we want it to be a pawn shop, but we just want it to be bags and jewelry. So you're talking to somebody who's in the traditional pawn industry for 30 years, successful business, and he's like, so you want to have a pawn shop, but you don't want it to be a pawn shop. Like, I don't understand. (laughs) And we're like, yeah, just go with it. So um, him and his now ex-partner decided, okay, we'll go and we'll do this. They kind of recruited me to leave from Nationwide. And so together, him and I started it in 09. And it was a very... uh, difficult time in 2009 as far as the economy was really adjusting, things were, recession was starting to hit, the market was really kind of volatile. Mm-hmm. So everyone was like, this is gonna be crazy, you know, if it works. And then we're like, hey, and on top of that, we wanna open in Hale Plantation, you know, the most affluent area in Gainesville. So everyone over there was like, well, we don't want a pawn shop here because they're thinking generators and musical instruments and tools and sure. things like that, you know, bars on the window. So. Um, kind of had some pushback there, worked through all of that, and once we opened and it literally just looks like a boutique, people understood. And now, 10 years later, it's an, it's totally fine, but in, for a long time, it was very questionable. I think they were like, what's that store doing over there next to Publix and Hill Plantation? What's <laughs> happening over there? So that's kind of how it all started, and then we've just ran with it and kind of really made our own niche for women. Great, can I get some more wine? <laughs> right. <laughs> So first, first, first wine break. Uh, red. No. Ding, ding, We're ding, doing ding. no um, oh, is there? So, someone that one. So it started over here. primarily with jewelry and handbags. Oh, is there one in that one? Oh, he's still open that one. <laughs> have Have you pivoted, adapted at all? Have you broadened anything, or you're still it's primarily still just doing jewelry and handbags? Now we can do everything, um, you know. But the thing, well, we don't deal in guns mm-hmm. um, because, I mean. I, as a female, I'm not gonna go in a store and look at a diamond and a handbag with there's like shotguns sitting like right, you know, it's just not, I don't feel like that's the look that you want for what we were trying to do. So I coined it like pawn boutique. So that's what we have, it's a pawn boutique, you know, where it basically looks like a jewelry boutique or store, but we operate off a pawn license, which allows us to buy, sell, and offer collateral loans. I think that's awesome. I mean, like really, you, you think about how many, you know, I go and I do a lot of speaking engagements and do these things, and a lot of people always ask me like, so Colin, I'm thinking about starting a business, what should I do? 
And I say, okay, we'll go out and look at what everybody else is doing. doing and, the exact opposite. And then go do different. the exact opposite. <laughs> no, literally, that's what we did. Because, I mean, and, and that's why it works, right? Because I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's to- it was totally like rolling the dice and people literally thought we were crazy. But I think it works for us because like he said, we don't have any entrepreneurial experience. We're first generation, self-made. Like we didn't have our parents to look at or We employ like our that. parents. Yeah, so we just kind of, That's you know, awesome. I but think. Does, I mean, do you like that or does it? I mean, that, that's that another episode good? too. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. <laughs> it's good and bad, man. It's like uh, in our kind of business, you can't just have anybody working for you. Trust me, we've been through a ton, man. We went through a crazy. Uh, we had an armed robbery. Then we went through a business split. We had an employee steal a ton of money from us. Then we had another uh, burglary three and a half years ago. We lost everything. And then a month later, we had a smash and grab. So I mean, we've been through a ton, but. Um, in our business, man, it's like it's key to have family. I a lot of pawn shops, traditional pawn shops, are family owned and operated, right? They are. I yeah, just think it seems so. that way anyway. They, yeah, because like he's saying, you. I mean, you have diamonds, fine watches, cash, just laying around. Yeah. I mean, who can you trust? I mean, even sometimes I'm sure and people have problems yeah. with family members. Sure. I don't know. We think on us haven't gone down that road. <laughs> so yes, it's a very challenging industry yeah. just from from that standpoint. So what made you have the faith that that was actually a sustainable option to market primarily towards women? I mean, you said that you had a lot of friends that wouldn't. Really go it didn't into another exist. Pop. Just like you, didn't you saw exist. that, and, and you yeah, worked so, in it, and were like, "This doesn't happen." So, so with our with our lack of business like background, we basically don't overthink things. We just figure out what we want to do, and we just do it. And in my mind, I just make it work. Did she so, have to convince you at all that that was a good idea, or no. you you no, were no, completely bought in? A, no, he was like, he was like, "What do I need to do to get more of that type of like clientele?" And I'm like, "Okay, mm-hmm. here's my thoughts on it." He's more of the risk taker than I am. I'm definitely more of a risk taker now eight, 10 years in, but mm-hmm. then I was like, well, I think this will work and I think this is a good idea. And he's like, all right, let's do it. And like you said, we're since we don't have that background, we don't overanalyze anything. We come up with an idea and we act on it. But really that's what you have to do to be an entrepreneur and to succeed. It, otherwise you get talked out of it. You start doing research. I'm not saying don't do your research. I'm just saying that you can out-research yourself. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, so from the outside in, it looks like it's doing really well. I mean, is we like think what, so. <laughs> I mean, we don't know our numbers. We, I mean, what's, you know. what's the biggest challenge with it? I mean, like you already said, I mean, from the pawn side of it, it sounds like that's definitely a challenge, but is there anything else? So there's, I, I would say um, the, the great thing about our business is it kind of thrives in any economy. Good, good economy, bad economy, buying, selling, doing loans. Um, the biggest challenge that we run into is we're cash business. So whether we have 100,000 or a million or 10 million, it's never enough. Yeah, there's never not yeah. a deal on the table. So we could spend all the cash we have today and then like 10 and more deals will work. And there's another $100,000 that I need tomorrow. That's our mm-hmm. biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you get by, past that? We get creative. I, I call up my friends. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, I got this deal. I'll go in 50-50 with you. Okay. You, may, you may get a call one day, you know? Okay, hey. We get creative. We okay. do whatever we gotta do. I mean, yeah. you know. I, mean, I think that's super interesting. Yeah, so most banks don't loan. I mean, you can get small business loans, but then when you're doing like a cash business like we do and we offer collateral loans, banks kind of, you know, are scared to even touch that. So you really do have to get creative. I mean, now 10 years in, we have, you know, lots of things that we can pull from and our inventory is built up and stuff like that. But in the beginning, it was definitely like, all right, if a deal comes in, we're just gonna do whatever we have to do to get that deal. You yeah, I mean, it's like if a hundred, if a hundred, somebody contacts you tomorrow with a hundred scooters that were a really good deal, but you had no cash laying around. I'm calling you. Right. You're calling me. Right. <laughs> that's fine. And next, next hey, month buddy, I'm calling great, you, you know? I got a so. great opportunity for you. Right. Yeah. But that's what you do, right? You just, you gotta think outside the box because it's hard to, you know, 
do, you can't do it on your own. You know, Clint and I didn't do all this on our own. I mean, we did, but we did. I mean, there's always been, a, you know, you've got a village that helps you to a certain extent to be able to get through those crazy situations that arise and just all the opportunities that get thrown out your way. Okay, so let, let's dive a little bit into the operational side a little bit because, I mean, one of the reasons, and, and I was super psyched to, to, to do a nighttime episode, but, you know, I said, hey, we normally do this in the morning, and you're like, yeah, but, like, gotta open up the shop because we're, <laughs> we really have a limited crew, right? So, and I completely, like, respect that. So, what are your individual roles in the company? What do you guys, like, what do you normally do, Sheena? What do you normally do, Clint? And what does family normally do? And is it just operational? I mean, it can can one person, oper- you know, run it? No. What happens when you go to the Bahamas? Like, I mean, I just want to know how you're operating the business. Yeah, so we each kind of have our own roles. Like, example, Clint does not pay, like, FICA taxes or sales tax or, you know, things like that. That's my role. Um, I've just kind of adopted that and and work with an accountant and self-taught, things like that, right? But he's the person that's going to be closing, like, the larger deals, um, the -the behind-the-scenes stuff that 15 years in this industry, people call every day, like, hey, I I want this, I'm looking for that, do you have this, I need to sell this. He gets all those phone calls (laughs) um, and is usually brokering a lot of those deals. I'm in the front a lot, I mean, he is as well, but when people come walking in, I'm usually the person that's there, so I'm gonna help with buying at the counter, I'm gonna help with selling, loans, I do that. Now the logistics for shipping, because we do a lot of online sales too. We have we operate on eBay, we operate on first dibs, um, obviously social media, some things sell that way as well. I have to do the social media. Yeah, he does all the social media. <laughs> Diddy Style does all the social media. Um, it's my new full-time job. Yes, it is. So the, that, the logistics of the shipping and things like that, um, my dad works for us and he helps us with all that stuff. So if you ask me a question about shipping something to like the UK, I'm not gonna know. I'm gonna have to go, hey dad, how does okay. this work? <laughs> so how much of your business is online versus like your retail shop? Probably half. Yeah, really? it's about 50-50. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and that, most of that's coming through eBay? eBay first dibs, social media. I Etsy. think that we've, we've tried to line ourselves up to where when we close at six o'clock, we're still making sales. When we're on vacation, we're in the Exumas, we're still making sales. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of been a huge part of our business. Um, yeah, and we've been doing that since we opened. And so what happens when you get back, you ship them out, or is it, Yeah, you know, most of the time, most of the time we don't leave. It's 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 usually, it's my father-in-law still there. Um, we used to, we had, a, we had a fourth employee um, that just kind of randomly went out of part-time. Um, so when we were gone, they still ran everything pretty much, pretty smoothly at like 90%. Um, but now we're down to the three of us. That's tricky. Okay, <laughs> so you guys are like splitting that time. I mean, one person can run it. No, no. I mean, there's always there's there always needs to be both of us there. Really, um, the the store is too busy. You know, if you would have asked me, you know, six years ago or something, I'd be like, yeah, you know. I mean, insurance purposes, no, it's not safe to leave one person there. Period. So there's always multiple people there. Okay. Um, but you know that just the the people coming in and the transactions and stuff that's happening now. I mean, there definitely needs to be both of us there. <laughs> Okay, do you guys get tired of each other? No. No, we love each other. <laughs> we work together. We work together. We go home and hang out together. We uh, travel together. We do everything together. No, and we're no. happy. Yeah, really. Like, it seems weird. People who have worked for us and stuff, like my niece. They're and, like, you guys are sick. Yeah, people usually are like, you guys are really disturbing. Like, you don't ever really get to argument. You don't get tired of each other. But I've been saying for a long time, I'm like, aren't you tired of looking at my face yet? Like, I ask him that. That's a serious question. Like, are you tired of looking at this? Because I'm, I'll just move I'm no, dude, she pays side. all the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's and she's that. like, no, you make a, you make all the money. I'm like, it works, it works. Yeah, man. yeah, we're a team, we're a team. See, 
Clint, do you ever get tired of being like the point person for like the sales and stuff? I mean, because I mean, I feel like all these transactions, you know. So if a transaction or a big deals coming through, it's like, oh, hold on, let me get Clint. Let me, let me get the, like the lead salesperson. Like, do you ever get exhausted of that? No, I, honestly, I really don't, man. Like we've. Um we have built a business and, and surrounded ourselves with people that we actually love doing business with. Um, my clients are phenomenal. We've 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 kind of built our client base and and we've kind of trained them to be the way we want them to be. Um, I, I I mean, we really love going to work every day. Yeah, the best thing about our business are the, is the relationships that we've built with everyone. So Clint really is like he does not feel like it's ever work. There are days when I feel like it's work. Um, but he never feels like it's work. The he, administrative part is definitely work. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's so it's, exhausting. I mean, I basically it, outsource that part as much as possible because it's terrible. I know, and I'm I do like all the bills. I'm scared to outsource it's, my administrative part. Yeah, I always tell him he's got the best assistant ever. I do. <laughs> I, do. I really <laughs> need an assistant as like just half as good as me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it sucks. It really does. The administrative part of it's a, very a time consuming. One, consuming. no business owner goes in business for themselves for that part of it. No, right? No. Like it's the worst. It is, yeah. And I think I'm kind of scared to let it go just because you know it's my it's my business. It's my store on the line. If anything gets messed up, you know. And so I feel like there's so many different things that we do. It's just not a straightforward operation and there's a lot of gray and I just feel like nobody will get it done like I will so I just haven't turned it over. We've had these conversations about like, hey, how can I, you know, not have to do all this kind of stuff, but it's Well, really and maybe and maybe you don't have to. I mean, as long as you're making what you want to make and Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it depends on what your aspirations are, right? Like if you right. really want to grow it or like have multiple stores or do right. that kind of things, then then you're probably going to have to, it yes. would be my gut. It's yes. like, all right, you're gonna have to do that if Absolutely. you want to have all this. But if you're perfectly happy making what you're making and, and yeah. running the business that you're running, then you don't. Yeah, I don't see us ever scaling. So we're not interested in multiple locations. Um, you know, I just think that in the 10 years we've been in business, we've experienced enough that we're very happy with where we are. We want to continue to grow, but I don't want to have multiple locations. There's only one Sheena, there's only one Clint. And I like the people that we work with and the relationships that we've created that I can't imagine having that you know, somewhere else and starting over with another location just seems exhausting thinking about it. So have you guys thought about having more Sheenas and more Clint's? Uh, yeah, that's kind of impossible these days. So I don't know, like cloning or something. We are open. <laughs> we are open to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough thing. I haven't too. found them yet. Yeah. Yep. Where I was going with that was like, is there children Jay, in your future? <laughs> oh, oh, baby shents, baby shents. Uh, so we have baby we have two. I like the, I like the shent. Yeah, man. the shent. Yeah, we got to go with shent. We can't do cleaner. So shent is where it's at there. Um, <laughs> we have two little fur babies that we love very much. Okay. Little Frenchie, Cash Money, he has his own Instagram, of course. <laughs> He gets more visitors than we do. He really does. Like they come to the store with us, and people legit come in and they want to know if cash is working today. It's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I have here too, though. Like I have to tell you, we, we had somebody come in the other day that was like specifically looking for a cat. Yeah, see like, that happens. We, we that, that definitely happens. we had we had cats that were left here, uh, Huli and Stella, and and they 
they got their own Instagram page and now people will yeah. actually come in here looking for it's them. It's crazy. I mean, really, that happens at the store all the time. Where's Hooli been? I haven't even seen him in like two days. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're I don't like, know. where's he at? Somebody, well, like, somebody's feeding him somewhere. Well, we at night because <laughs> like, they, they were strays at first mm-hmm. and then we kind of adopted them and so they normally like will sleep inside the, or like Hooli will sleep inside the we'll office during the day, yeah. but I haven't seen him in the last two days. And Bren hasn't been here either though, right? So I, I think he's just following her. That's, anyway. <laughs> that, that's my... ADHD brain for you. It's right. Like, oh, now that you said that, the cat has been <laughs> missing. Where is the cat? I haven't seen it. So uh, for two people that grew up in Gainesville and yes. spent all your time here, you have no desire to go anywhere else? Well, we travel a lot. Right. Yeah. That, that, Every that week, I like to itch. be gone. Yeah. So Clint, a long time ago, he would he wanted to move. And he did move away for a little bit. And then when we would travel, he, any place we went, he'd, let's move here. You know, but I just, I love Gainesville. It is so great. It's so simple to live here. It's just home to me. So I have no desire to relocate mm-hmm. and actually live you know, somewhere else. Maybe one day when I'm old and retired, but even then, I don't think so. <laughs> I just like it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's my comfort zone, and I think it's awesome. And there, I know it's transient. A lot of people move in and out, and so I meet a lot of those people at my store in Hale. There's a lot of people that come in for the university, for the hospital, you know, whatever the affiliation is, and they come in and Oh my goodness, like the first, you know, few months that they come in, they're miserable and they hate it. And then I'm like, okay, give it like a year. <laughs> You'll warm up to it. And then that's usually what happens. They're like, oh, I don't want to have to move now after their, you know, residency is over or whatever's happening, they they move. But Gainesville just has that awesome, warm, welcoming vibe to it. Yeah. I love Gainesville. <laughs> I do. Yeah. It's a good place, man. So, I mean, what's like, what's the future hold for, for your business? I mean, is it, I mean, is this like a way for you guys just to, you know, generate enough income for yourselves and you're going to like continue to travel the world, which I'll just continue to follow your amazing Instagram accounts. Yeah, probably. (laughs) I mean, we can't really leave it to cash money. He's not, he's not interested in taking over the business. So (laughs) I think we'll just, you know, keep working and, you know, let it just fund our lifestyle, I guess, and give back to our community. We do. We try to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how often are you guys, like how many trips are you guys taking in a year normally? Dude, we try to take as many as we can. I have um, no idea. So the one thing that I, one thing that I learned, luckily at an at a early age, I went through a crazy business split and I, I, before that I was trying to get bigger and bigger and have more stores and more stores. Was that with this business? This was- Same business, different. I had a partner. Okay. Um, had another store, had like three stores at one time. Um, but man, a lot of things happened. I went through a crazy business split. I had a couple people around me get really like, really sick. I had one, you know, somebody that worked for me got, you know, had had cancer and I was like, you know, I started realizing there's more to life than just working all the time and chasing every dollar. And um, so luckily about, you know, seven or eight years ago, I told her, I said, dude, I'm happy with one business. We'll make it the best we can. We'll kind of leverage, we'll try to use the internet and, and try to make money when we're not work, when we're not at the store. And we try to do some things on the side. Um, I'm always, always doing side stuff. Um, but we were, we we're happy, man. We we're like really content, our business, provides us the lifestyle we want. Um, and, and to us, lifestyle is extremely important. So like quality of life, uh, traveling, getting away, doing things like on our, you know, basically setting our business up the way the way it works for us and not trying to do what others tell us we should do. Like we don't we don't open on the weekends. People are like, you're losing money, you're not being in on Saturday. I'm like, so what? <laughs> you know? Like my customers will come Friday, they'll come Monday. So like this is important to us, so. That's good. So how many trips did you guys take in last year? Dude, last year was crazy. I don't know. Last year we were gone like the whole month of June. We got to go to a lot of really amazing places. Europe, Greek What's the coolest place you've been to? 
Um, well, so I love Paris, okay. which sounds very cliche, but um, I just love it. I just think there's so much to offer because what I've figured out is you can go like the Greek Isles, for example, we went to Santorini and we went to Mykonos and they're beautiful and they're amazing. But for me, I'm not gonna just lay on the beach day after day after day. So I'm like, what do you do after a couple of days in places like that, right? And I'm not some huge water person. Like I like to hang out in the water and stuff, but I feel like those are really places where, you know, you're partying and then you're hanging out in the water and that's about it. Some Something like Paris or Barcelona, they're just multicultural and there's things that you can do for everyone. You can do the beach thing, you could do the history thing, you could do the shopping thing, you could do the food thing, you know? And so I love Paris for those reasons. There's just a lot to offer and I could never get bored going there. You guys went to um, some wineries recently. I we saw. did, yes, we yeah. did. We, we like big fans of wineries. Yeah, I mean, are these bottles of wine from any of those? Or? Yes, of course. They yeah, are. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I, I don't want to leave Gainesville, but I am willing to relocate to Napa Valley. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of love it out there. It's like farmland meets wine. It's amazing. Like, it, it's literally like, just rolling hills of farmland, but it's all fine. It's so funny, like, so I've never been a big wine drinker, <laughs> but we went to, uh, so one of our distributors, Vespa, mm-hmm. which is like in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> like they paid for us to go to Italy. Oh, nice. And we got to tour the factory, and we got to like, you know, see their museum, and like all this really cool stuff, so we got to spend some time in Florence. Right outside of Florence, and yeah, so that's where right we were staying. Of, Sounds like, like a horrible time. So where is oh, it God, Pontedera. Yeah, Pontedera, it's, it's, it's halfway at. between Florence oh and Pisa, so right, but, right but in the heart stayed, of Tuscany. But we stayed in Florence, mm-hmm. and then we ended up staying a few extra days, got like an Airbnb, oh, with like the yummy. Did you do dude. some wine tours in Tuscany? Well, see, I had never been a big wine person. Uh, says everyone who's never and actually drank really good right. wine. Right. <laughs> exactly right. And so I ended up drinking wine on that trip yeah. and really ended up falling in love with wine. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like a big time. Now you're like it honestly takes in. a good trip I mean, I to either don't, Italy I don't know or wine country. I don't about wine. I can be like, ah, this is like, I mean, but, yeah, but no, I like to drink it. Right. No, we're, we're like that too. I like to go to all the vineyards, but I'm not like some, I don't like taste it and go, okay, on my palate, I taste this. And I'm trying to get like better with some of that stuff, but I still, I'm not there. I like to fake it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, what you're drinking right now is from the Caldwell Vineyard in Napa, yeah, which we're swishing around. (laughs) And um, John Caldwell, he he was known as the first vine smuggler in Napa. So he literally got vines from the Bordeaux region in France and brought them over and planted wines in Napa, and that's what that wine is from. So he stole it? Yeah, he's pretty, it's insane. It's a really cool story. Now we're talking like 1800, how? Um, No, this was like, um, let's see, I think 1970s or something, 1960s maybe, yeah. Yeah, so not too long ago, really, in the big picture. He was in the shoe business, so he stuffed all the shoe boxes with vines (laughs) from France vineyards. Yeah. I mean, that's totally just entrepreneurship. That's, yeah. Like yeah, he just got entrepreneurship. He just got creative. Fine. So of course, we got to meet him, and we're like, Clint's like giving him all these business ideas. He's like, so for your like anniversary wine, I think you should put it in a shoebox, and that's how you should distribute all of your wine, you know, for that year. Whereas I know we thought it was cool because again, coming, it's something mm-hmm. different, and nobody does that. So we thought it'd be interesting, but. We'll tells, tells a story. I mean, yeah, it tells a story. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. Hey, so talk to me a little bit about like influencer marketing. Like, do you guys do any with your business? Because I know, like, so you have how many followers do you have on Instagram? Eighty like something, probably eighty something. Um, now, with your business, 
like yeah, like eight zero. Like Eighty eight, something. Like thousand. Eight zero. Oh, okay. oh, a thousand. Okay. Hold on, let's just look it up. I have I, no idea. I might actually have 80. <laughs> like 80 followers? Yeah. 80,000? Right, Hold on. Let me look up. Let me just find this real quick. Um, Diddy style. 80, yeah, 80.7K. All right, so so you have that. And I mean, obviously, it's because this Instagram profile is is beautiful. Go look at it and check it out. <laughs> um, but, I mean, with your business, are you guys... I mean, I know you said like 50% is online and you're yeah. doing some stuff on eBay and that kind of thing, but are you doing anything with some influencer marketing or? Um, I, I, don't, I don't do too much with influencers. Okay. I do a ton with Instagram. Um, to be honest with you, man, like two years ago, I was one of those people that were, I was totally against it. I was like, I hate this, I'm never doing it. And uh, my wife had like, back then we had like my niece working for me and we had a intern working. Mm-hmm. And um, so, <laughs> I'm giving him direction. I'm giving him direction. I'm like talking to the mic. This is a podcast. That was sure a window in your business operation. I'm sure. <laughs> my wife. My wife is showing right now. She totally keeps me. It's <laughs> like customer just walked in the door, honey. <laughs> I know. Know your role. Know your role. No, that's the key to success. People are like think it's this mystery. It's like no. How are you married? It's the same thing. What's your role in the marriage? That just translates into the business. Open communication and know your role. And talking to the mic. Talking to I, the rec- mic. I recently learned the term HBIC, which I think probably everybody knows. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you? Okay. Yeah. Is that, is that accurate? Or yeah. No? Or HMFIC. <laughs> What's that? Do you not know what that means? I have Colin no Colin I'm lost. I'm right lost now. too. Well, it's good. It would be like, we are lost and together. Editing. Cheers. All right. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Talk into the microphone, Clint. Yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, it's about a year and a half ago, I, I actually started. I surrounded myself with these 20 year old kids that were crushing it on Instagram. And um, I was like, I told my wife, I was like, I was like, dude, I have to learn how to do this stuff. And um, I don't think it was until maybe last, like a year and a half ago, we, we put a house in the market and I made this crazy video with music and, and it, was, it was awesome. And we were at a charity event the next night. And I'm not even, not lying when I say probably 75 people came up to us and were like, oh, I saw your house. You know, it's crazy, it's beautiful. And, um, and so I was like, I was like, dude, none of these people follow us, like us, or comment on our on our stuff. I was like, but the people are seeing it. So that's the night. That's the day that I was like, we got to do this for real. So I was, ba- I basically followed, you know, these young kids for like a year, learning how to do this, learning how to grow Instagram, learning how to to build a following, and uh, I I kind of think it's changed our business really. Yeah. yeah, I mean the social media game that he's like stepped up. It's, so he's bad with time. So it's been a, it's been a longer than a year and a half or two years. I think it's been about a solid three years, um, almost four, that he's really been like hustling the Instagram part. And I think that people really underutilize it and they kind of don't realize the importance of it. And in our industry, the jewelry world, they're very old school. I mean, it's they like half of them don't even believe in like websites and stuff like that. So I mean, so is that your customer? Is your, like what's, what's your perfect customer? Like what from an age, like from an age standpoint, like oh, like average demographic, age. I guess is what I'm asking. Um, you know, I think average age is probably forty to sixty. It's kind of wide, but we don't just sell jewelry, so right, we, right. we do so many different things. We do handbags. We do handbags. We do jewelry repairs. We do fine watch repair. We do loans. So it, our target okay. market's a little bit different. We don't it. have just that. You know, um, also, you know, we probably couldn't even tell you what our target market is. Again, we don't do any of that kind of market <laughs> research like we should. <laughs> We moved our business a couple years ago. We just randomly bought a building like a mile down the road. We're like, this is going to be better because we're going to own it now. And people were like, 
so how many customers live in that zip code? I'm like, it's a mile I'm down like, the what? road, it'll be fine. What are you talking about? It's a better deal. I'm like, it, they will follow us. Yeah. So, Trust me. so then we got paranoid. I was like, oh, well, maybe we should have like researched something there, but we didn't. We just were like, oh, our it's a five second up. rule, man. I was like, if I, I got to make up my mind in five seconds and just do it, whether it makes sense or not. I know. People think we're like crazy, I'm sure, but whatever, it works for us. That's probably why it works. I think so. We don't overthink anything. I like that. Like, I think it's, I mean, I don't know, just being different. Like, when you asked me to be on this podcast, I would typically like, say no. no. If I thought about it for longer than five seconds, but I was like, I'm in, I'll bring the wine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I emailed him, I'm like, hey, what do you guys, what do you want me to have to drink on the podcast? He's like, I got, got it. it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a response yeah. you would get from him. <laughs> but it is, man, I, I, I think that the, um, I think so many people underutilize social media, and I, I truly think it's a game changer. Um, so it's kind of interesting because I spent two, couple years, I don't know, uh, really learning how to do it and uh, hanging out with people that grow, grow sites professionally and, and, and run all these pages with you know, 500,000, 600,000, a million followers. And so I kind of learned the game. And um, it's kind of funny because within the jewelry industry, now I have, I have people reaching out to me to try to get me to help them grow their social media. So I'm, I'm currently running or helping grow like probably about 15 different pages. And I just do that myself. Okay. So I haven't scaled it. Obviously, we're not we're not good at the scaling game, but but I mean I think it's important, man. I think it's really changed our game. Um, we haven't done traditional advertising in almost almost seven years. Yeah. So that's pretty much the the majority of what we do. But it's media. crazy to think about how technology has changed. Like in the ten years that we've been in business, I mean we used to we sunk all of our money in the beginning on TV, um, radio. Uh, we had large vehicles, Hummers, that we would wrap with you know the name of the store. And none of, like, nobody doesn't, what does everybody do now? Instagram and Google reviews. That's it. Honestly, I mean, that's it. Everybody walks in my store every day because they're like, I Googled you and you have however many reviews. We have 200 and whatever. And it's, so that's you know, why they all come in. It's super interesting that you say that because, like, I, I hate, I hate to, like, compare. Well, I, just, I, I hate to kind of, like, even say it on the podcast, but, like, because, I mean, I Obviously, love this community and the many different aspects of it. But we're like, a little slow around like, here. But like, you know, the alligator, for example, mm -hmm. student newspaper. If you're listening from out of town, uh, you know, has has reached out to us multiple times over 15 years of being in business. And we used to do, you know, we used to do some classifieds. I mean, I think at one time we dominated the classified section right. of the alligator. Right. right? We had like three or four different ads in there. One, I'd spend like all this money just to even have the logo in the classified right, ad absolutely. because I knew that she was reading. You know, it's a big in 2006, part of it. Yeah. 2007, 2008, well, it made sense then. that people. Right, would sit in to class, right? right? They would sit in class, Absolutely. they would open up the alligator yeah. and they would read the classifieds. Right. But now the truth is I'm still that person. But you're fine. There's only one of you. So exactly. 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 Because you were talking now, about that the other day. Everybody, every single student is waiting for class to start and they're scrolling yeah. through their phone. Right. So why wouldn't you put your ads or what your message right, right here on this device? I'm not going to spend the money mm -hmm. to create, I'm not gonna spend 1500 bucks on a half page ad in the alligator when I can spend $1,500 on Facebook ads or Instagram ads right. and put the message so right here on this device. Or 50 bucks. Yeah, I mean like, yeah. 
I'm an all in kind of guy. So like <laughs> during, during like back to school, it's like, all right, we're going, let's blitz this. Yeah. But, but you no, know, like, true. but we create these different, you know, and you've seen like some of the video stuff that we've done. I mean, we do like video ads and we put it right, like mm-hmm. right there. And like, I'm going to do that all day long because I know that the ROI on that is yeah. way greater yeah. than running one ad right. in one newspaper right. one time. Yeah. Right. Well, and have you noticed how, you know, I'm sure you get prospects all the time, people coming in from the different agencies trying to sell you, you know, come advertise with us. I've noticed through the past few years, they all want to sell me like their social media package, you know, Mm. like they come around, they're like, well, if you aren't interested in like the print ad here or whatever, we can manage your social media and your website and this and that, you know, so they're having to adapt, you know, these large print you know, companies and, and radio stations and TV stations are having to adapt to what everyone uses now, which is social media. And it's just, a, it's crazy. Which is the right thing. I mean, they should it be is. doing it. It's a good should. sign. No, like, it is a good a, sign. It's a it good is a sign. good sign. Like, I yeah. mean, they have to, they but have the problem to. is they can't sell your business like you can. And so we and never, I, I really believe right. in like everybody doing their own content. Yeah. Right. Like even the people that I grow their Instagrams, I, I think that people should be like posting their own content, like uh, responding to their own, their comments. You know mm-hmm. themselves. I mean, I don't think somebody can do that for you. Yeah, that was our, my we ha, when I first started all of the social media stuff. I would tell them like, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it would take like an hour to come up with some kind of tagline or something. Which, I mean, I guess I'm just slow. I don't know. Uh-huh. I should know my business well enough to come up with something. But it's really time consuming. You, you, maybe I was just overthinking it at that time. And so he would say, you know, people would come in and ask if they could, you know, manage it. And I was always like, nobody can like talk about my store like I can. Nobody can talk about it like Clint can. So I was like, no. And I'm and we both still really believe that. Maybe if you have a different type of business, you know, um, not that my business is complicated, but it's hard to have the voice that we have to talk about our store if you don't understand buying and selling. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. buying is a very like confusing thing for people to grasp, especially we're buying jewelry and diamonds and bags and whatever walks in my door, right? So how do you teach somebody to, you know, talk about that for advertisement purposes? Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we stuck with like us always growing it and kind of curating the, our own content because it's paid off for us. So you guys, everything that you guys do is like on you? It's, you a, one man, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a team shit. Team shit. <laughs> Literally, that's it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, he's like, hey, come over here. I need your arm. I'm going to put this bracelet on you. And then, you know, we record it. And so my dad works for us. And so he likes to catch, like, the behind the scenes stuff. So there's random times like I picture post. Picture on picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'll like, post. dude, don't you have work to do? <laughs> <laughs> I will post, like, funny things about, like, oh, this is, you know, because I'm, like, doing some random arm raise in a position. And, you know, Clint's trying to get the perfect angle. And, so my dad's really funny about capturing that kind of stuff to show kind of the real life behind that. But yeah, it's just us doing it. That's so when, good. So when you were going to school at UF for was it sports management or sports sciences? Um, so I did exercise sports sciences, which I'm so old, they don't even call it that anymore. Okay. It's now called applied physiology and kinesiology. So it's at least somewhat similar. I was gonna say, did you ever think that you would be an R model? No, <laughs> definitely not. I definitely didn't think I'd be an R model. Definitely didn't think I'd own a pawn shop. <laughs> All of the things that, you know, I mean, it's basically how most people's story ends up, I, I feel like. You know, you never really end up doing what you think you're going to do at 20. Yeah. I was in biotechnology. Uh, thought I was going to work for the CDC. And uh, CDC, nice. I was two letters off. I was CEO of a scooter shop now. So, you know. It works. Yeah. It works. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere. The Not glamorous really. life. And it's, I mean, and it's funny thinking about how we've grown this scooter dealership. I mean, it's been with content creation, right? Yeah. And doing a lot of YouTube. I mean, I, I see our YouTube channel consistently just gain subscribers. And I'm like, I'm like, man, like, 
who wants to subscribe to a scooter? But I mean, that's it's, awesome, but it's though. so niche. Yes. Right? It's so niche. That's why it works. That's why it works. That's why it works. Yeah. And I mean, and that's what blows my mind. And I know yeah, I hear you say like, oh, like you've got this on your own. It's great. Like, I mean, we do own like a media agency. A, a media agency. But, so we so we do like help with, uh, you know, other small businesses. But you focus this, on but, voice and stuff like that. I mean, it's all yeah, stuff that you know and Which is, and which is super about. interesting, right? So like when we talk about like our three pillars and the areas that we focus on, we focus on video. Mm-hmm. Because, so video content and a lot of it. And we focus on social media and we focus on personal brand. Mm-hmm. Those are the three pillars. We're not building websites. We're not doing a right. lot of logo design. If we're if we're doing the logo, we're like literally turning your signature into an right. animation, sure. right? Like because we're focused on the personal <laughs> brand. So, you know, it's it's interesting even for me as we like develop our our unagency and like our folk, you know, where we're focused, focusing our time and helping our clients. It's it's just different. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not in the the traditional areas of agency life, you right. know what I mean? Which is appealing, that's why it works. Yeah, though. I mean, well, I, we're definitely off to, you know, to a really good start, but it's super interesting to kind of hear you guys, you know, talk about like the content creation side, because that's something that is really, really spiked. It's just like, hey, like every, there, there isn't, you know, unlike a lot of these companies that are coming in, there isn't a package. Right. Like, there's not a one size fits all. No. We're literally sitting down and saying, okay, like what's, What's your goals as an organization? Mm-hmm. Where do you want to be? Like, do you want multiple stores? If you right. want multiple stores, your strategy is going to be completely different correct. than if you want one store that provides Absolutely. for your lifestyle. Right. Correct. Right? So it's completely different, yes. and that's what makes it makes it so unique. Because I'm sitting there and I'm analyzing that and working backwards from that goal mm-hmm. in order to help these business businesses come up with strategic plans in order to accomplish right. it. And I mean, obviously, that's the rewarding part because. You know, it's it's fun for me to be able yeah. to do so as long as I can get all the administrative <laughs> BS off of my plate. <laughs> so surround yourself with good people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do. Yeah, you, you have to. That's why I said it. I'm like, we, you know, you have to surround yourself with good people. It t- you know it takes a village to get any. They say it takes a village <laughs> to raise a kid. I always say my store is my child. It's ten years old this year, and it's definitely a labor of love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I totally. I totally get that. It's funny because you always think about, I mean, you think about both the scooter and the media company agency. I think about the scooter one. And it's funny because as long as I've been co-hosting this podcast, I try to sometimes force myself in a perspective of what these other businesses are. But for, for yours, the similarities are really crazy to me. We talk about the, the industry norms, the reluctance uh, with the rest of the industry to do stuff like websites and social media. That's something right. that we've known in the scooter industry is, is definitely a thing. A lot of a lot of businesses, not necessarily the local competition, but but in our industry nationwide, are um, uh, mom and pa type businesses that they lunch pail to work and that's all they do. Right? They, right. they don't want a website. They don't run a social media right. page. They're not doing any of that. Right. They're like, I'm not doing that Instagram. Right. I mean, exactly. I mean, like dive into that a little bit. Like the scooter business. You think about it. Like the scooter industry, for example. A lot of the you want some more wine? He's got yeah. some. <laughs> I'm just like giving the glass. wine. Yeah. Shout out! To, shout out to Drew. He just showed shout up today to and Drew. ended up he's being helping. our sommelier. <laughs> I know he's awesome, and we go to church together. Yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> and he's pouring me wine, so this is great. That's the last of the red. <laughs> That's the last of the red. We got white. It's kind of, uh, no, but like I mean, it's it's funny because we've you know even talking to some distributors in the scooter business, you know, one of the issues, if you will, is that a lot of the dealerships out there are retired folks who live on the beach. They're not necessarily in a hustle mode to like build their business. It's kind of like, oh, whatever. If I get a sale, I get a sale. It's great. I just, can you you imagine that day? Like I I can't imagine that day. I don't think I'm wired like that. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think. If I was yeah, 70, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd be worried. That's that way. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I, well, I think that's all. I think that's also going to be a generational thing because right. we're kind of growing up in that. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, right. that's not going to necessarily be the future. Where like, where in the past, I feel like a lot of people True. planned and at like 62, really planned. Like, I'm going to retire. Exactly. Okay. But I also think there's and I can't tell you how many times 50. I heard in my childhood where it's like, oh, I'm going to retire when I'm 50. Right. Or I'm going to I'm going to retire when I'm 40. Right. Like, I couldn't even imagine. 40. Retiring. Yeah, I think no. a lot of those times it's people that worked 40 years and never took a vacation. Correct. Yeah. And so Correct. they're waiting for that time to finally enjoy their yeah. lives. Whereas generationally, we talk about the vacations Traveling. you guys go and travel and, and we work that into our current yes. lives on a year to year basis. You're correct. I think that's Yeah, so you'll have difference. to look so you don't have to look forward to like 50 so you can actually take a trip. There's no right. there's no day that's ever guaranteed. Yeah. Right. So I I don't know. My personal philosophy is why why mortgage the next 40 years from now and hope that I have 20 years to Correct. enjoy life. If I work till I'm 80, but I get to enjoy a couple of vacations a year, then so be it. You mm-hmm. know? Just go to the Bahamas now and swim. Right, that's right. Do it. Go swim check out the pigs, poop. baby. <laughs> you know, but there's other there's other similarities too. Uh, you talk about the way you guys have built relationships yeah. and, and how important that is, and then also the the stigmas that are in your industry and how you've mm-hmm. tried to buck those. With with us, it, it's often that thing. It's uh, automotive industry, whether it's the sales side where everybody has a situation, whether it was a used car salesman, that's the, the kind of proverbial snake, right? Um, right. They, people walk into our showroom and that's the kind of experience they expect or, or into our service department and everybody's kind of been screwed by a bad service department that tried to sell sure. them something they didn't need. And so we're always constantly fighting those stigmas. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that you guys have tried to buck that trend by building relationships. And so I kind of want to explore a little bit more of how you do that. I don't know how you do that. I think it, you can either do that, like that's who you are, right? I mean, this isn't an act. I can't pretend like I want to build a relationship with a client. It's just who Sheena is. It's who Clint is. Like, we're those people I feel like, I mean, what you see is what you get. And I want to know about you. I want to know about your wife. I want to know about your nephews or your nieces or what you did this weekend. You know, I, I don't know. That's just how it's we just are. It's just a values-based thing. It's just a value-based thing. And, and, and also, I'm very invested. We're both very invested in the community. And these people live in our community with us. So why would I not want to know about if, you know, Johnny's getting married this weekend or whatever? You know, that's interesting to me. So people come by our store just to tell us about, you know, what's going on with their mom or what's going on with, you know, the husband or whatever's happening in their world. And I love that. I think that's amazing. And they know all about our stories, too. So and they're there for us when things happen. They're there for us in the good times, the bad times to celebrate. And that's my favorite part about being a small business owner, especially in a place like Gainesville, is just the the type of relationships that we have formed. And I know that's not probably the norm for everyone, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people that we shop with here that's the same type of mentality. So maybe it's just who I surround myself with as well. <laughs> so when somebody walks into the door, you said you're usually the first to greet, right? Yes. When someone There's walk- only two of us. Fifty-fifty <laughs> shots. We we usually like run. Somebody's we're like run into the door, so it's either you're gonna get Sheena or you're gonna get me. <laughs> yeah, Dad doesn't come out much. <laughs> so so if you don't know this person, because yeah. I assume a lot of people do come in, they are the people that that you the said Googles. just yeah. come in and want to tell you yeah what's going on in their lives. But if it's somebody that you don't know, mm-hmm. um, how do you start building that relationship with them without being 
without coming across as being salesy or with with an intention to sell them something, you know what I mean? Like like what what is okay. your specific so like I think that is a great question because I think that goes back to the fact that we I did are it. I finally <laughs> it took me we, I finally did it yes. after all of these episodes you finally question. asked a great question. I'm no. so proud. Uh, <laughs> but it kinda ties into what Clint and I keep saying, how we don't really know what we're doing. All. We don't really know what we're doing. So I've never taken a sales course. So if I've never taken a sales course, how can I come across salesy? And I know how I like to be treated when I go on places, so I kind of keep that in mind. I'm really not trying to sell them anything or trying, I'm just having a conversation with them. It's funny you say that because one of the best salespeople I've ever seen in our business is actually your wife, Shannon. Yeah, and, and you were reason, pointing to Colin for a minute. I was I like, know, I was was gonna, gonna, "Colin, I was excited because I wanted to get this out." You're like, "You're right." <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you for well, the best salesperson I know is oh, this one you right mean, here. You so. mean my wife? Oh. Yeah. The reason, yeah. the reason why I say that, and and she's she's been married to Colin for how long? <laughs> you would ask yeah. me that after I've had three. Come on, Colin. I'm gonna start interviewing you. Congratulations. So by by happenstance and because she's been around, she's helped us out through a lot of seasons. So she Mm -hmm. she knows things. Yeah. But when she helps us out during business season, she's not spewing specs, she's not doing anything, she's building relationships. People walk in, oh, what's your son or daughter? What what major are they gonna do? Where are they gonna live? Where are you from? Yeah. Oh, I'm from Pennsylvania. Like she she's relationship builder and it's not a gimmick, it's just like. That's who she, she is, that's, that's how she she's is, wired. Right? That's that's what I'm saying, that's and, how we're wired. <laughs> and then if I look at to it from my from my role, I'm like, who? I, I see a, a gigantic invoice with like a huge dollar amount and I'm like, who who got this sale? <laughs> Shannon. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Hold on, but this is kind of going. for hire? I mean, whether it's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe. What do you guys think? Like, talk numbers later. <laughs> no, but this is, that's because it's authentic. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you kind of go like talking about social media yes. and the best personal brands and a lot of these things. Like it's all, it's the authenticity, right? Because that's, that's what wins. Like she's just coming across as herself and she's legitimately building a relationship mm-hmm. with the customer. You know, she like the customer will ask her a question and she'll be like, Literally have no idea, yeah, I don't know. but like I will go. Find I don't know, out. but I'll find it, it, out. That's, that's yeah. cool. But, People but appreciate that. Yeah, man. exactly. That's how I. That's exactly. how I like. Like the cool know. thing about us, like there's jewelers in town that like want to sit there and sell you. Like you need this crown angle. You need this cut. You need this clear. You need this. this that. And like at the end of the day, that's all BS, man. It's like sometimes. I'm like, like, is it sparkly? Do you, and do you like, like it or it? not? Right? Yeah. Is it a good deal <laughs> or not? Great. And so we've created those clients. Like people call me up and they're like, Hey, I got this budget. I want to see this, and I'll create a thirty thousand dollar ring without them ever coming to see it. They just come pick it up, right? Um, but I think there's like so many ways to do business. Like we're not traditional, so right. we grow at being us. Like I go to work every day in a jeans and t-shirt. I'm not wearing a suit, I'm not wearing a tie. Like I think people feel comfortable with that. Yep. Um, I mean, and literally, also, I think if you just build relationships, people people like gravitate towards you, you know, if they like you. And so we've, right. we've got a good following, man. We've got great clientele, and I think there's, like I say, it's just our way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Is it the right way? It's the right way for us. Right. Um, we're not overly salesy. We're not there to, to really sell you. Like people come to us because they, they want to come to us. And we built that. You know, it's taken 10 years, but that's what we do, you know, and it works. Yeah, and he just said, you know, if, if you like us or we're not like that and things like that. So kind of piggybacking off of that, we know that we're not for everybody. And I know I'm not going to capture everybody. And I'm okay with that. I get that people come in my door and they want to talk about the crown angle and they want to talk about the clarity and like all these things that yes they're important 
But to me, I don't wanna just sell you that one ring because you're asking me these technical things. I want you to come back over and over again for every holiday, every anniversary, every time you think of you know jewelry or bags, I want you to come see me. So if you're just here for like a one-time thing, it's probably I'm probably not your person anyways. And we're cool with that. We've accepted that. We can't service everyone in Gainesville, right? So there are gonna be other jewelers in town that better, you know, fit those people and fit that type of personality. Mm-hmm. And so when he's saying like, oh, we've kind of, you know, created this this clientele that is just like very open to how we are. I know that we definitely miss out on some people, but again, like it works for us. We're not everyone's cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, we talked to Cookie Cash about that and I think it's an important I don't want to say lesson, but like for, for business owners, it's to hard find, to find a customer that you want to do business yeah, with. Yeah, it's hard in the beginning because I mean, I'm not saying I don't want every sale because obviously of I do. Of course you do. I do. I want every sale. I need it. But I, I'm sure those people, you know, who you're talking about, mm-hmm. the other company, I'm sure they would say the same thing. Like you just can't service everyone and you're not for everyone. You're just not. You, you have to find out what works for me, whether it's from a, like with us, it's like, okay, we look at this dealership, it's four tenths of a mile from campus. Our overhead is gonna be way much more than anybody else's that we're doing competition with here locally. Yep. So our price is gonna be different. Yes, do we believe we provide value for that price that we're asking? Yes, right. of course. Right. Um, but if all you're doing is shopping on a, on a you know, comparative to, yes. to dollars, then, then, yeah. then maybe we're not right. And so are you comfortable with that? It is something that you have to answer yeah. and kind of atone for as a yes, business, right? Absolutely. And, and finding, finding that, that customer that is who you want to sell to and who you want to have a long-term business relationship right. with. Uh, for us, it's often four years. Like There's so so much turnover. For yeah. you, it may be similar because it's still Gainesville and you talked yeah. about the transients Transient. yeah. Yeah. and stuff like that, but it's, it's is this somebody I want to do business with for four years? Do they understand it? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus are you going to try to get every single sale that walks in the door and right. bend and break for somebody that's not willing to to help you out too. And honestly, like for a long-term business, like I don't have it in me to deal with those type of transactions every day. I just don't. Like I cannot bend and break and like you cannot beat me down over, you know, those $50 or whatever. Like I just, for a longevity standpoint, like I feel like that's not good for my entrepreneurial uh, spirit there. <laughs> we need to, we need to wrap this up in just a few minutes, but like, have, have you fired a customer before? Uh, that was actually one of my notes too. <laughs> yeah. You have? Yeah. Okay. Yes. A long-term customer or somebody that was new or both? Or? Uh, probably both over the years, you know, just by, I mean, I don't think you have some kind of conversation with them, but it just kind of, it happens where. Yeah. Grow I mean, out of each the other. reason I ask, cause I mean, just in that conversation, like I'm thinking about like everything you're saying. And I remember, I remember this, the, the first time I fired a customer. Yeah. And it was the biggest relief ever. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Like, I mean, you're like, just like. Literally, like I can't, like I literally, I had to take a step back and be like, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah, but because it kind of goes against what you because you're taught, you're taught the customer's always right, right, and blah 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 blah, right. Like, but but in that moment, which is an important philosophy, yeah, yeah. Don't, but it's a philosophy, yeah, Yeah. it's a philosophy. Like, right, that I just knew that I'm like, hey, you know, I look, I remember looking at this customer, and I told him like, I have done everything in my power, (laughs) everything, right. Over, and he had bought his, he had bought a scooter on the internet. It had failed him multiple times. He had brought it in for service. I tried to help him fix it and get it right. But like, but he just kind of kept pointing blame. I'm like, look, the reason you're having these issues is because you bought a scooter on the internet, right? Like, it's not because you bought a scooter from us. I'm just trying to help you fix it, right? And like, we kept diving into that, and I'm just like, look, and and then he was actually going to 
get a new scooter from us. Mm -hmm. Because he had basically had enough. And you're like, I'm actually out of scooters right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm sold out. Hey, no kidding. That was basically the conversation. (laughs) I get it. We've been there, dude. Yeah, because I was just like, look, like I have done everything in my power over the last few years to to make you a happy customer, and nothing, nothing I do ever yeah. seems to be good enough, and it's so wearing on me. It is. I'm going to ask you to not buy a scooter from me <laughs> and to not step foot in my store again. Yeah. And I couldn't believe I had a- actually said that, but yeah. I'd reached a point where I had said that, and and the team, I, I, what was craziest about the entire experience was the team the team was like. They are like applauding. I mean, talk about a cultural high. Yeah. Like seriously, the, the entire team yeah. like was coming up to me like, dude, thank you so much. Yeah. You're the best boss ever. Like, thank you so much for doing that. You're the greatest. I mean, yeah. you know, I gotten so many, I'd, you know, for, you know, you guys know, I mean, from like a leadership standpoint, you don't mm-hmm. get a lot of pats on the back, but yeah. to have my entire team come and like really pat me on the back and say, thank you. Yeah was like a huge bonus that day. Yeah, I've had to do it. And I, like gave up, I gave up a scooter sale. Like I was like, he was gonna buy a scooter. It's just not worth it you're, though. You're still in, you're still fine. Yeah. yeah. You're doing oh, okay. You're still fine. here. You're still here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think we've had to do it with like extended family members. Because that one too. scooter that you, you know? gave up, you could have sold like 10 scooters in that amount of time it's, that you dealt with that customer, so. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it's, I mean, I it's super. the stress it causes on a team or anything like that. Like, there, there's been, I don't know, detail on several times where it's, you know, as leadership, you don't realize that that person's beating up a team member over and over and over again. Yeah. And how many people do do you lose or, or do they stop having faith in you as a leader? Do you just never know that that's happening until you finally step in and do something like that and realize only after the point that you fired a customer yeah. that, oh my God, this is much, much bigger of a scenario than I even knew. I think yeah. I've learned now though over the years of working with with uh, just retail type you know clients and stuff that at the end of the day, that's that person. That's their internal issue, and like you can't make them happy no matter what you do. And so I'm like, that's a personal mm-hmm. issue you need to work on. That has really nothing to do with whatever the transaction is in my store most of the time. The funniest thing about it to me is, I think, at least in my experience of doing the same thing, the majority of the time, they actually come back to you they do. wanting wanting the business back because yeah. whether it's because they source your competition and it's not as good or they're calling your butt, whatever it may be, they end up being apologetic about the fact that they're you're now not willing to service them. Right. And I think that's an interesting thing too. And I don't say that from pride. It's just like a, you have to draw a line somewhere. Otherwise people will beat you up over whether it's price or whatever. Absolutely. And, and knowing where that line to draw is being okay with losing them, but then accepting whether or not you choose to accept them or not, but accepting that there's a good chance they're gonna come back. Yeah. If you believe in what you're doing and what you're putting mm-hmm. out there, they're gonna come back. And they come back as a whole new person. You're like, right, it's amazing, this? isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a mind game that they wanna right. play with you. Like if, but once they realize they lose, it's like, okay, I'm done. Right. I wanna come back and be a real right. customer. You know what, I was wrong. Like, huh. <laughs> And sometimes those customers end up being your best customer. It's, it's so like, true. Yeah, I mean, I can think of a couple. <laughs> yeah, but but it's so true. Yeah, can I ask you another question? <laughs> yes, of course I can. This Maybe. is my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so from uh, I'm kind of changing directions here, especially as we get towards the end of this thing. Have you sold, you know, your jewelry, your handbags, and stuff through the content that you've produced, for sure? On social media? Yeah. 
And like, I'm talking about like, it, but now with that said, how have you measured it? And, Which it's pretty candy. clear if I post a pair of diamond earrings up and somebody calls me five minutes later and says, I want to purchase those. I just saw you and I live down in Miami. Can you ship them overnight? Okay, Here's so they're literally card. seeing the picture that you yeah. posted. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll post uh, 10 Louis Vuitton bags on an IG story and sell eight of them by the end of the day. Okay. Um, I'll post, sometimes it's it's almost like scary because I'll post something and I'll get a response in like 20 seconds and like, sold. <laughs> okay. So. So Good. that I mean uh, that so makes it pretty easy. And I'm not like a, I'm not one to track too much stuff, but that it's right. pretty easy for me to be like okay, that's, that was that's very black and white. You so have like because yeah. you, your pieces are very like individual. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's a one off. Right. So we don't. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like we have a hundred of those bags that he's posting. So it's well, like, I mean, and the reason the whole reason I went down that rabbit hole was because like I've you know I did a, pre- a presentation recently. I was speaking and somebody had asked me. They said, hey. Like, so how how can you track like the how do you measure the success of your vlog? Yeah, right. Right. Like how do you how do you measure the transaction? And I was like, you don't. Yeah. I was like, I just know it. I just know it works. It works mm-hmm. because like, I, and the reason I know it works is because a mom down in Miami who has a kid going to the University of Florida in the fall saw absolutely the vlog, saw yep. the video, and said, "Hey, I'm coming to buy from. I'm coming to buy a scooter from you yeah. for our son because I came across your videos, I came right. across your content, and I realized that you were the type of business owner that I want to buy from. Right. And and people always ask me like, so how do you measure the success of that? And I'm like, I don't know. Like I literally don't have like the answer. I don't yeah. have I don't have a measurement. I don't see a direct conversion on Facebook <laughs> where you can like literally click the ad and see the conversion. Right. Like, I don't I don't see any of that. Right, it's a little bit different when you have a, like a one-off a piece of item. jewelry. It's all good though, but some people have, right? spend all their time trying to measure how you track something instead of just getting it done. And I, I go and create more content. You know, while you're trying to measure, like, like I'll never, I'll never be the one to tell you I'm three percent down from last February. Like, I don't know, man. I just go to work and yeah. I just mm-hmm. grind every day. Yeah. You know, but I, I don't, I don't need to track Instagram or Facebook or or or, or, or eBay and all that because they're all up, they're all down. But at the end of the day, they all come together and and, and provide our, you know, the, the success that we have. So we're not like big trackers too. I can't tell you how many I sold from Instagram last month, but I right. can tell you over and over and over. I post something on Instagram or and Facebook, it and it sells. Yeah. So it's working, you know. And if that's if that's slow this week, then then eBay's doing the job or first dibs is doing the job or in stores doing the job so gotcha cool this has been a lot yeah, of fun before we wrap up though i always like to look at the the serve a higher purpose things i mean that's one of, well, it's it's <laughs> true though the score value number you, 11 yeah, you guys less to serve uh, a higher purpose you guys work you guys with like a, a charity uh values, food yeah. for food for kids oh yeah we and do. I, I wanted to give you guys a chance to talk about that real quick because okay. it is like it sounds like just in the notes that we get it uh obviously a great charity a great uh, organization that you work with and and it'd be, we'd so be remiss you, if we didn't talk about do it. Do you so. know anything about Food for Kids? No, I mean, I see the notes here. Uh, we, so shout out to the repaint team that actually does. Um, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Literally, I just got a notification that it says, says it's time for Colin to go to bed. bed. <laughs> but we're going to do late, late night with Mike. Go to bed by 10.30 um, p.m. to get a full nine yeah. hours of sleep. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sorry. 
No, I just see that <laughs> over seven years you've collected 97,000 pounds of food for yeah. local kids. And, yeah. and that's just something that shouldn't be overlooked. So oh, for me, it's you. like, I just want to give you guys an opportunity to plug that, talk about yeah. it, uh, what you do with them. So Food for Kids is, uh, is an organization here in Gainesville, and it's the Food for Kids Backpack Program. So basically it serves all of the local public schools here in Alachua County. And Clint and I are both product of public schools of Alachua County, so we're super passionate about helping out any way we can there. What it specifically does is children who do not have food at home, it provides them with a backpack full of meals for over the weekend. Okay, so there are other organizations similar to it in town, mm-hmm. like Catholic Charities and things like that. This um, particular one's a little bit different, um, and she services, uh, like I said, all of the public schools here in Alachua County. Um, I'm not sure which ones Catholic Charities does, and I know there's another organization too, but same idea. So it's seven meals per backpack per child. So if there's a middle schooler who the teacher recognizes as being hungry, not, uh, you know, focusing, uh, maybe having behavioral issues, they kind of dig a little bit deeper, find out, hey, there's not food over the weekend because in the state of Florida, they get it during the week at school for free. Mm -hmm. So they shoot that teacher can reach out to the Food for Kids program and say, hey, little Johnny isn't, you know, I think something's going on. Let's see what the situation is. Food for Kids can take on that child plus anybody else that's in the household that also would qualify um, high school, middle school, or elementary school, and they would pack a backpack for that sibling as well. So it's really phenomenal. Anyways, Clint and I didn't want to start our own charity because right, we're running a business, but I wanted to partner with somebody in town that I was passionate about. And I felt like Food for Kids was an awesome, awesome, just like homegrown, you know, you buy a can of beans, it goes in the backpack, it gets to the kid's belly, that's it. There's nothing in between, there's no, you know, middle expenses or anything. It literally, you give me a dollar, I'm gonna go buy some food for this kid and Mm -hmm. it's going directly into his belly. So seven years ago, we decided let's kind of start and it was called Fill the Hummer at that time because we had a Hummer. (laughs) And we were like, let's fill the Hummer. She comes home, she's like, we need need to do a food drive for this food program. So we're, we have this Hummer and we're like, I'm like, let's fill the Hummer. So we collect 300 pounds of food. I was, I was like, so stoked. I was, I was like, this like, is freaking awesome, man. <laughs> and so what we did is we we're like, well, let's use our, our credibility in the community and let's try to like bring awareness to the program. And the next year we're like, we're gonna go bigger. So we did like 600 pounds, maybe six to 880 pounds. <laughs> so then I was like, let's go bigger. So we did 3,800 pounds. And then the Hummer became a trailer, like a 16 foot trailer. So yeah. we took 3,800 pounds to 10,000 pounds of food. And then we started, we're like. Meanwhile, your miles per gallon just keeps. It's, yeah, like, a, it's, exactly. like, a, it's like a huge problem in Gainesville, right? So when you really dig into it. So uh, then we start getting more of our friends and people in the community that we, that we kind of, that we're close to, like to get on board. And I'm like, I'm like crazy. I'm like, we're gonna double this. So we went from 3,800 to 10. And she's like, baby, like, she's like, just, maybe we shouldn't set such big goals. I'm like, I'm going to 20. Yeah, maybe we have scaled something, the food drive. <laughs> so it's the only thing we scaled in our life. But uh, so we went to 20,000 pounds of food and then I got more people involved. I'm like, I'm going to 40. So now it's, that, it's that's turned, difficult, right? It's turned so, into a business. But it was 28,000 pounds. And last year we did like 37,000 pounds. This year, I don't know what we're gonna do, probably 40. Mm-hmm. But. It's been phenomenal, man, and we brought so many people that are passionate about the program. Um, 
just and awareness it's, to it's it. Been just super cool. People, you know, we're in Hale Plantation. I feel like people forget that there are a lot of other zip codes and areas to Gainesville and Alachua County than just the 32608 Hale Plantation area. So I like to remind people that the Hale Plantation and town of Tioga bubble is just that. It's a bubble. And it's I love it over there. That's where we live and that's where our business is. But there's a lot of stuff that goes on actually within that community as well that people are not aware of. And one being that there are kids going hungry over the weekend. So that's where that comes from and it's august 3rd this year our final day of collection and we're hoping that we will collect over forty thousand. sure of so this episode actually airs on july 29th nice. so that gives us a couple days but what's the best way for anybody listening to this that, to contribute so, is it monetary is it yeah. is it canned so food what is it go to hail jory and loans the facebook page there's an event and there will be a lot of posts there and there's a link that'll take you to an online um platform where I'm doing crowdfunding, basically, Plum Fund. And if you want to just give a monetary donation to keep it simple so you don't have to go shop or anything like that, we can take your money and we make it stretch the furthest. We have relationships with Save-A-Lot and other just large, um, what do you call like the restaurants that can order yeah, restaurants through, that like the wholesale, the food distributor, distributors. Right. Yeah, like, okay. Sure. And so they can just basically take that money and make it stretch and, and help So where us. like the average person goes to Publix and gets like a dollar fifty a pound, we're stretching to like 50 cents a pound. Yeah. So we'll take, you know, last year I think we did 10 grand. So we're able to take that into like pallets and pallets and pallets of food, which kind of helps us reach our goals. Um, it kicks off the school year. So it basically, our food drive normally is allows the program to feed the kids for the first semester um, over the weekend. So, and I mean, that's a lot. I don't know all the stats that she has it. The Jennifer Moore is the person who founded Food for Kids program, so. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, Thanks for, for that. Thanks for letting me talk always, about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I always love seeing stuff like that. Thank you for letting me talk about that. Thank you guys, super You guys are awesome. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Yeah, thanks thank for having us. on our night podcast. Yeah. Thank you for bringing two bottles of red wine and they're both that we gone. killed. Actually. That we killed. That we destroyed. I almost brought more and now I'm kind of wishing I would have. <laughs> no, this was really, really great. Should have brought it was, a six It was a super yeah, interesting you know. conversation and we kind of went into uh, several different directions, which I love. Like, I love podcasts that are kind of like all over the place and yeah. we touch on several different things. But, um, Mike, props to you for like ending on that note. Yes, hey, thank like you. So Props to the repaint team. They, they do such a good job with providing me cheat sheets <laughs> that, that I read. Yeah, so I'm glad somebody thank reads you. them. Uh, <laughs> Genesis, I think, is you know primary on this, but, yeah, but thank you. She's great. No, but stuff like that's great, but yeah. Awesome, well, so real quick, tell everybody, all of our listeners, where they can find you, whatever social media you want them to be able to connect with you on. Hail Jory and Loans on Instagram. Hail Jory and Loans on Instagram, Facebook, eBay, First, first Dibs, <laughs> and then we're located just, in the Hale Village Center. Yeah, come see us. We're next to Patty Cakes Coffee Shop. Boom. Nice. <laughs> That's Easy it. to find. Cool. You thank guys, you guys. Thank you so much for being yes. here. This is the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Give me a whoa. 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 <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye.